0: hey everyone welcome to episode number 75 of f-stop collaborate and listen man it's been quite a journey and uh i'm i'm feeling excited for the weeks to come we've got some great guests coming up but uh this week's guest is uh david johnston and uh it was really fun talking to him um about uh, burnout you know he he was a full-time photographer for eight years and then burned out and he's took a year off and he's kind of refreshed his mind and his soul and he's back shooting again. It was really fun talking to him about that journey and uh, lots of other cool topics. Um, So I uh, think you're going to like it. Um, Thanks for everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. Um, Really appreciate it. Um, I am doing this podcast for you guys, the photography community. So thanks for supporting us. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy this week's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Cool, man. Well, uh, man, David Johnston, thank you so much for joining us on FStop Collaborate and listen all the way from Haiti.
1: What's up, Matt? How you doing, man?
0: <laughs> I'm doing good, dude. I'm s- super glad you reached out because um, I had actually had you on my list of people to reach out to, and I know that um, you had had your podcast in the po- in the past, and um, I-, I thought you'd be a pretty f- cool guest to have on the show. But you reached out to me, and here we are.
1: Yeah, but you kept having people like Aaron Bobnick and Sean Bagshaw, and I just kept getting pushed down the list.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Well, (laughs) some of it is like uh, a lot of how this works is, um, you know, someone will mention somebody and I'll be like, well, do you have a do you have an in with them? And then, you know, then they hook us up. And so that's ideal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it, man. It's cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, you so you used to have uh your own podcast as well, which I think you kind of ended and then you started a new podcast. I'm really curious about what that was about.
1: Yeah, so my old podcast was called Photography Roundtable, and um it was basically it it was a lot like yours, actually, which which is probably why I enjoy listening to yours so much, but it, it was interviews with other photographers and them sharing tips about things. And and I think we made it all the way up to like 260 episodes or something like that. And it just got to the point for me where I could only listen to the same composition tips that I had heard <laughs> from other people so many times. It's not saying they're bad tips or anything like that. It just it, it kind of. Ran its course, um, and you know the old the old phrase of every good thing must come to an end. I kind of felt like it it had ended its course, uh, and it, and it couldn't really go any further. I'd interviewed a lot of the same people three or four times, and and it was awesome because it led to amazing friendships with a lot of great photographers, and really gave me an in with a lot of really good photographers that I looked up to when I was first starting out in photography. Like I could not believe that I was talking to some of the photographers that I looked up right? to.
0: Oh, that's been my experience yeah. too.
1: <laughs> it's insane. Like you email them and you actually receive an email back that's like, yeah, I'd love to come on and talk with you. And you're like, what? And you're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I, it kind of ran its course and uh, got me burned out a little bit. Um, and then after that, I decided looking back on it, the, the episodes that I loved the best were the ones where people would just talk about their experiences in the field and stories that they had about their photographs that they loved. And I just got to thinking it might be a good idea just to do a podcast on those stories. So Mm. then I started the stories about photos podcast. um, And it's been really, really fun, really different and a good challenge in podcasting. Um, And I've, I've enjoyed every second of it and, and it's been a really good change from the teaching side of photography to more of like the sharing the enjoyment Hmm. of going out and shooting in the field and the planning work and the field work and uh, the experimentation of different styles of photos. And it's just been a really good journey uh, in podcasting and in photography itself.
0: Yeah. And in some ways, I don't know if this has been your experience, but it's like, it's almost like in some ways you get your own free education of sorts as well.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. It's not only with photography, but right, right when people come on and they talk about secret locations that they have, or or you know, even if it's not on the air, and they're like, "Hey, have you been here? Like, do you know about this place in Death Valley or the Sierras?" And you're like, "No, I've never heard of that." I mean, it gives you such an in and such an advantage. I feel like uh, and, and your own photography, even just to go test out new locations. So it's, it's a wild journey. If you want to start a podcast, uh, highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, man. I, I agree. It's a, I hear what you're saying too, about like keeping it fresh. Cause it's, um, uh, it, that is, that is kind of really hard for me. And I, when I first started, I was kind of thinking about like the format and trying to figure out like, which questions should I ask people? And, I quickly came to realize I shouldn't really, you know, script it that way. Like it should just be a casual like chat between two people that love photography and see where it goes from there. You know, like maybe it'll be boring or maybe it'll be really dynamic and exciting. But that's kind of the fun of fun and mystery of of having that conversation. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that like one of my favorite episodes was I was out shooting in the Tetons with Jason Hatfield. Oh, cool! And um, we we went to just this random coffee shop and I had all my equipment and we sit down and we're just like drinking coffee and sharing stories. And I was like, this would probably be a pretty good podcast. So I just set everything up on the table right there. You had music and people talking in the background and like the espresso machine (laughs) noises going and it was like it was probably my favorite episode to record just because we were hanging out just talking photography and locations and you know what our plans were in the future for it
0: that's cool man so god i really want to talk to you about uh, this idea of getting burned out because because you had mentioned earlier that that you just got burnt out and i think you're not just in the podcast but also just for in landscape, uh, photography in general. So talk to us a little bit about like what happened and what caused you to get burned out and how you dealt with that.
1: Um, well, I got burned out after probably about seven years of doing landscape photography, both on the side and full time. And it was really like I had six months to think about this. I didn't touch my camera for six months. Um, and, and I just thought about what went wrong or what went off the trail that I originally thought I was going to go on. And I really, honestly, truly believe that it went off the rails when I started thinking about photography as a as a competition and thinking about photography as a sport, hmm. rather than an enjoyment with other people and and doing what you love and just kind of like hanging out, like I just said, hanging out with Jason and, and just talking photography. I'm naturally an extremely competitive person. Like I grew up playing sports. <laughs> um, Me too. <laughs> it was pro- yeah. I and and it's funny when you play sports, like it's almost ingrained in you. Especially when when I played that if you do not win, it's it's a failure and you have to figure out what you did wrong right uh, in that moment and and it kind of takes all the enjoyment out of it almost. And I, I kind of carried that over that philosophy over into my photography and into business and I quickly realized that landscape photography was just not, a competition at all, and and I was trying to make it into this sport that didn't exist. And when I took that six months off, and I really look back on it, I can see that some of my decisions in business were a little bit selfish, uh, and I still feel bad for some of the things, um, my ulterior motives with some people about talking to them or you know having them share something about a location and I, I feel bad about what i was trying to do instead of just going out and shooting with people because the landscape photography community is so strange in the fact that people will cheer for you even when you're beating them even when mm-hmm. you take an amazing photo that may top theirs they like cheer for you and cheer you on and then they want to go out and shoot with you and learn how you did that, and it's like this whole collaboration. And I just wasn't, I wasn't getting that, and it really led to burnout. I was trying to do uh, more video projects, more audio projects, more blogs, more eBooks than everybody else, and it just led to uh, like an epic crash and burn uh, that that could have definitely killed photography for me. And I'm really glad that I put the camera down when I did and kind of had the chance to look back on what I had done and kind of the thinking that I'd taken into photography and um, really reevaluate what landscape photography is to a lot of people and kind of change my mindset to that as well.
0: Yeah, man. So like looking back on that experience, what like if, you know, hindsight being 2020. Like if you could go back and change your approach, especially early on, like what would you have done differently?
1: Probably I would change the way that I interacted with people in the field. Um, You know, a lot, a lot of the things that we hear now coming out, especially, you know, with social media and everything like that, like you have damages on some of the landscapes, uh, I probably took a few risks that I shouldn't have just to get the shot that I wanted to get. Uh, and I'm not proud of that at all. It, it's a mistake that I made and something that I didn't really listen to other photographers about. I just wanted I wanted the shot and <laughs> I wanted it so bad I was willing to risk uh, the landscape that I was shooting. And then also, I would if I went back and, and I could change what I started with, I would do more to interact with other landscape photographers on a more intimate level on a more uh, like friendship based instead of strictly business. Like you're coming on the podcast, you're doing a guest post for me. Here's what you do. And that was really great. Okay. Goodbye. See you. I'll call you again when I need you to do another post or another podcast. And I'm Mm. really lucky that, The landscape photography community is so community based and and almost forgiving, even though they may not have have realized what I was doing in my own mind. But I I made a lot of really good friends coming out of photography and, and people who shared information with me and really instilled not only photography basics, but also advanced practices and and people who kind of took me under under their wing, and taught me about locations taught me about business, and, and even taught me about like, how to share information with other people. Um, that those people and those relationships and, and friendships and photography are, are so like, priceless for me.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> it's funny, like, I feel like, Um, especially if, if, if you're, if you have a competitive streak to you, like I'm the same way I grew up playing sports and, and, you know, I was a, you know, I played, I was a pitcher in college. Like, you know, I was highly competitive all the way from like age 10 on, you know? And, uh, I feel like combining that with, with, a with something like landscape photography and social media where you're constantly seeing other people do stuff that you haven't done or like you just have this we get into this poisonous cycle of comparing ourselves to other people and trying to figure out how we can raise ourselves to those levels and then it causes us to do all kinds of stupid stuff that we regret later and that damages relationships and makes us look really stupid I I mean me personally like too like just this last week I got really excited about, uh, about a blog comment uh, on my blog from, from a photographer that I really admire. And I reposted that comment and, uh, and I didn't give enough context as to like why I thought it was exciting. I just posted the comment and it was in relation to one of my episodes, um, with, uh, Aaron Bobnick and Alex Nail. And like, I didn't, like think before I posted it. And of course, like the way that I framed it was like kind of taking sides and kind of negatively painting Aaron in a certain light, which I didn't intend to at all. But it was like, it was all this social media and like like wanting other people to get excited about like my podcast, which is stupid, right? But it makes you do dumb stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's almost a really fine line because I don't think it's a bad thing to... Get excited about that stuff, like get excited about people that you really admire and look up to commenting on your work and telling telling you what they thought about it. But it, at, in the same thought, it's almost like you have to keep it to a minimum of, yeah, you can get excited about that. But then also, how do you how do you give to your audience using what you just received like how do you give instead of bringing attention to yourself and what you do how do you how do you turn that and, and use it as a teaching moment for everybody who everybody else who might be looking because getting into like the social media stuff like you have to figure out a way to give out more information and more love to other people than than you're really bringing into yourself and and that's really when you start enjoying the communication of social media and, and landscape photography a little bit more is when you are using your wins and pushing it out to other people so they can learn from it and see it and, and experience the same thing or even develop their own thoughts too.
0: Yeah, that's well said. And it's, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive too, because you know, it's, you know, social media, get, it feels competitive in some ways because you know it's like if you especially if you do any research on like best practices for social media you know you're like okay you gotta post once a day and like you have to like use you know what i mean like it's it it gets you into this mindset of like you're trying to churn out uh content um to attract people to to you as a brand and 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 like Turning that, turning that focus outward to other people and highlighting other people is not always intuitive in that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, and it's funny, like I think of social media and, and experiences like that, like that led to my burnout or, you know, if, if you post something that you kind of look back on and you're like, uh, that probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's kind of like it, a party you would go to because social media is actually social and it's a community experience you wouldn't go to a party and like be like oh i've i've talked to two people how many people have you talked to this person just said this everybody everybody listen up like you wouldn't you wouldn't go out and do that so you have to figure out how to use social media as more of a social social context or interaction with other people
0: yeah no doubt it's and it's like i said it it seems like for most of us that's not always intuitive <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you look at anybody's Facebook feeds, I mean, I'm sure that's right.
0: Yeah. So gosh, so like after you kind of made that realization and looked back, what, what prompted you to, to get back into the, into it?
1: Um, well it was after I had already moved to Haiti and, um,
0: which I definitely want to talk to you about for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can get into that. Um, I I took my camera with me when I went out to uh, we went, we drove out to some mountains and I took it with me and it was sunset. um, And it was just like really nice, like pastel pinks and purples in the sky. There wasn't many clouds. Like it wasn't one of those, whoa like epic scenes that you see, but it was just cool to take my camera out. I was using just a 70 to 200 lens that I brought with me and just like looking at the mountains through my camera again and, and kind of framing up different compositions and coming back and editing those on my computer and, and going through the process again and just going into a landscape photography experience with no expectations and then being able to, you know, take a few photos that I really enjoyed and, and that I thought were, were pretty good and pretty cool for the conditions that were there. Um, it, it really kind of helped me break out of that and remember why I loved landscape photography in the first place and, and why I love just taking my camera out. It wasn't about, you know, fitting in the the craziest foreground or or getting the wildest, you know, sunset you can get. They were just simple shots of mountains secluded against a pink pastel sky that I thought was cool that had a little bit of Alpine glow on them. Um, and, you know, bringing them back and and seeing that and, and remembering like the artistic side of it and, and trying out different techniques and, and how that was fun and questioning everything. Like, why do I like this? And, and what would I do differently about it? Um, that's, that's what really sparked me to get into it again and, and kind of led me to, to reevaluate how I was doing everything and, um, how I could get back into social media and back into photography and doing photography business again after just taking six months off of doing nothing with photography, uh, didn't even want to look at my camera, and then coming back to the love of it. It was just going out and shooting again. As, as simple as it is when you first get a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, you, the first thing you want to do is, is go outside and shoot, and that's exactly what really brought me back out of that. I don't want to say like dark place, but brought me out of like that slump in photography that I had and the loss of love that I had for it. Um, it was just really cool to just go into something with no expectations and and remember why I love taking photos in the first place. So what are you
0: knowing what, you know, like, what are you doing differently this time to prevent yourself from burning out again?
1: One of the things is focusing more on going into a shoot with less expectations, which has been a huge challenge for me because I, it's, it's really funny. Like in life, I'm not a planner at all. (laughs) I, I like could care less what happens tomorrow. Like just live in the moment, enjoy it. But with photography, I think I was so, engulfed in the in the thought process of have to come back with this killer shot that nobody else has of this amazing location and it, it's just not realistic like there of amazing locations somebody has shot it before and somebody's probably done the same thing that you're trying to do and it it just was beating my head against a wall and going into it with less expectations doing less research about, you know, what kind of photos other people have shot there has yeah. been a total godsend and the retooling of my mind and landscape photography, um, and really helps me enjoy the photos that I'm taking a little bit more and also allows me to be a little bit more creative. Like you, you walk up to a scene, obviously let's take a waterfall and, if it's a huge waterfall the first photo that you're probably going to take is like straight on the whole scene maybe some rocks in the foreground well when you haven't done much research about what other people have shot yeah that's a cool shot but then when you kind of work your way around to the edges and the sides and even if you can get up under the waterfall you can spend a solid two hours there easy just finding different compositions and finding smaller scenes within that gigantic waterfall that probably are a little bit better composed and a little bit more unique into what you're trying to do with your own photographic style rather than, you know, show up to a spot, bang, you hit the shutter, you got the big waterfall, it looks epic, then you're out. Now, like staying there two hours and really focusing on the intricate details of an entire scene is what can lead to more thoughtful photographs, maybe not in that location, but in the future when you use that practice over and over. And then also with the business side, what I'm trying to do is be more of a fan to everybody. Mm. So especially with Like my photographs that I'm posting on social media or if I'm posting a YouTube video on something that I went out and did, I will purposefully and and thoughtfully respond to every single comment. And some of the people who I know comment several times on a lot of my posts. I'll even go into their profile, comment on some of theirs, and even reach out to them in email form, be like, hey, man, I really like this. Uh, it would be cool if you showed me or told me how you got that and and kind of we can learn from each other here or, um, you know, just being a fan of everybody else has reaped so many more rewards And so much more enjoyment for photography on me. Like I used to go into Instagram search just for commenting on people to get them to follow me. (laughs) Well, that was so stupid and like self-centered and selfish twisting it on its head and doing things completely different. Like, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but the Seinfeld episode where George does everything totally opposite than he (laughs) thought he would do in real life. That's what I did with social media. And, um, I basically went into the search and I would just look at people's photos and I would like Comment on everything that I loved about their photo, and I would just end it with, like, keep up the good work. This is awesome. And that really led to so much more enjoyment and so much more like passion for me about what other people were doing and how cool it was and how amazing like social media actually is. And, and, and yeah, there are some negative things to it, but in reality, this is like the best time to be alive as a photographer. Cause you have so many things at your fingertips to enjoy all the time.
0: Yeah. It's funny. You're talking about go- going to scenes and, or locations and not having any expectations. Cause I found myself doing the same kind of thing where I would you know, do all kinds of research and look at other people's shots from locations. And then I'd be like, well, I need to get that same shot. And I don't know, maybe two years ago I stopped doing that. I like this last year I went to Iceland for the first time and I purposely didn't look at anyone else's shots of any of the locations we were going to go to um, because I didn't, I just wanted to like discover that place for myself and, and try to find stuff that interested me about that place. And I knew that, you know, that could result in worse photos, but it could also result in photos that, you know, I normally wouldn't take myself or that, you know, maybe other people never quite saw them, saw themselves either. So I don't know. I think that's a much more rewarding approach to, to landscape. Uh, so I told that totally resonates for me. Um,
1: totally man. And like another example, I just got back from Ireland and while I was there, I went out and shot, I did, I did one research about a location that I wanted to go shoot uh, in Houth, Ireland, and I wanted to shoot the Bailey Lighthouse, which is this just massive lighthouse out on a cliff. It's like your classic Ireland yeah. cliff where waves are breaking and you have this gigantic lighthouse. And I, I saw these photos of it, and I was like, wow, that would be cool to get you know a shot like this. And then I, I did no research on anything else. And the day before I went out to Bailey – uh, I went to the Wicklow mountains and it was like the most amazing, most fun day of shooting that I've had in a long time. And then I went out to the Bailey lighthouse the next day. And the whole time I was just mad because I wasn't getting good light. And like, I was like, oh, I can't get the shot. And it totally ruined right. the experience yeah. for
0: me. Um, so I'm curious, like when you used to, um, <clears throat> when you used to go out and you had high expectations for a scene or a location, um, did you find yourself doing anything um, per, perhaps like after the fact, to compensate for those high expectations and not having achieved them? like specifically, like did you, you know, like would you re- go back and back to a team location or would you do stuff in post-processing to like make it feel like you didn't totally like lose out on that experience or did it affect you in any way in terms of how you approached your photography?
1: Um, I, and this is being a hundred percent honest. I would totally act like a little kid. (laughs) I would like lose out on a shot of a cool location. And like, even if it just wasn't good conditions, I would just be like that location sucks. Like, I don't need to go back to that one again. I've, you know, been there, done that, checked it off the list. Um, and I didn't come out with anything good where on the flip side, like when I first started out in photography, I can look back at locations that I went to three, four, five, six times in two months, trying to get the right shot. And when I finally did, it w- it was so enjoyable to to have that experience. And and it's just somehow I lost that along the way, and and just getting so caught up and you know immediate immediate enjoyment and satisfaction of something that's not there like landscape photography is so fleeting and conditions are so fleeting you're you're not going to get everything the first time you go out and that can be a hard lesson to learn for a lot of people especially when they're first starting out like you see instagram feeds of the most ridiculously epic shots that you've ever seen and let's say you're doing research on iceland for that which is a good example because everybody's going to iceland right now um, for good reason too sure you do research on iceland and you go and you know it's like not very good conditions the whole time which (laughs) seems a little bit unrealistic now for my example um probably should have picked a different location but (laughs) um, uh, let's say like you don't get good conditions and you're just like disappointed because your photos don't look like somebody else's like that. That is a little, it's a little silly and, and thinking about changing your thinking and and going out with no expectations and, uh, just going into it being like, Hey, look, conditions are fickle and they change all the time. You know, I might not come out with anything good. I might come out with something that's just, ridiculously crazy that's never been shot before let's just see what happens and that's for me personally that's been a way better approach to everything and it's definitely gotten me to stop acting like a little kid whenever i don't get my way in photography
0: nice i love that (laughs) i feel like i I feel like we have a lot in common because i i think i went through a phase where i was like that as well I was like this sucks you know and uh it it's hard to break out of that, especially if you have two or three or four of those experiences in a row. It's like, wow, this is, this is not why I got into photography, but it's, it's all about that expectation management, right? I mean, it's like, if you don't have any expectations going into the experience, your mind is open to so many different possibilities and you'd be surprised at what you come home with, even in bad light. Like there is no such thing as bad light, right? I mean, really?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, man. Like, and i'm not saying go into like life with this you know advice but definitely your landscape photography low expectations or no expectations usually come away with something that you're pretty happy with yeah. and that's not to say like you'd need to go into the swiss alps and not do any research on weather right. or, you know mountaineering in the swiss alps like definitely do your do your research on that but go into it with an open mind on artistic expression and enjoyment of creating compositions and just trying different techniques out that, that you might not have thought of if you had done extensive research on what everybody else had done there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. So, uh, that was great. Uh, thanks for sharing your experience and all that. Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and, um, uh someone who's been on the podcast before and i sounds like you guys know each other dusty doddridge um he uh great guy by the way um he had a cool question which i wanted to explore with you and it's maybe an exploration for both of us but uh having done your podcast for so long how how did having those conversations with so many different great photographers how did that influence your 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 journey and your photography
1: yeah, that's a really good question. Um I don't I you can't really take Dusty seriously though. He hates night photography. <laughs> I I don't know what's wrong with him. Like I've tried we've had extensive conversations about this. And like we we did this whole hike to a waterfall in Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and we argued night photography like the entire that's way through. So I, I don't know what what he's thinking on that. But so like doing podcasting and having access to so many people and getting to talk to so many photographers that you look up to really, really shifts your style of photography. I think a lot more than it does other people. Like I can look back on my images and they really change depending on who I had on the podcast, maybe that month. So if I had like Ian plant on a lot of my images will be like closer to sunset times and trying to get a lot of, of color in my sky because that's what I see a lot of. He does um, even may, you know, twist my thoughts on some gear, maybe that he changed my mm. opinion on. And then like the next month I may have had somebody like, Uh, Andrew Studer on who, who shoots a lot of people in his frame. So then that month, like I might go out and try different techniques of fitting people into the frame and learning on, on how he did that and, and kind of how he works his compositions with people in his frame. And then the next month, you know, you have somebody else on and your style shifts a little bit differently. And I think, I think going through all that is, is really cool and there's nothing wrong with it, but it, it kind of helps you Pick and choose what you want your style to be. Whenever you take a step back and look at your whole your whole portfolio, just at a distance, you you look at it and you you're kind of like you ask the golden question in artistic expression and photography of of why is why do I like what I've done in this photo versus why do I not like what I did in this one and how do I combine those into one image and one style and how can I do that consistently um I think I think kind of having that many people influence me was both an advantage and a detriment because the advantage is that you get to try all these techniques and you have direct access to these people telling you exactly what they did exactly how they do it and even in some cases some of the locations that they went to to do the same thing that if you got to talking after you finished recording and they shared a location that, that you may be going to the next month, you know, you have access to that information. The detriment is that you're jumping around so much. It's hard for you to really find a solid, consistent artistic mm-hmm. style and photography. Um, and, looking back on it, I I can see how I jumped around so much. And then now I can see what, what I liked that I did and what I didn't like and combine that into one image style. Uh, and I, I think I'm doing that now. At least I hope I I am probably in the next five years, I'll look back and I'm like, uh, I don't really know what (laughs) I was doing here. Um, but you know it that that's kind of like the thought behind it is, is I was shocked that they number one wanted to talk to me and number two that they were sharing all of this information with f- with me and for me and for anybody else listening just sh- like handing it to you uh it, it was really an amazing sure concept yeah I mean
0: me personally I um I, I it hasn't necessarily influenced my style per se but it's definitely influenced me to see scenes a little bit differently, like not focused so heavily on like grand uh-huh. landscapes, but look for some more like intimate scenes, um, like with a telephoto or whatnot, which, um, I didn't used to do at all, but I've been doing a lot more of that lately. And then, um, I definitely have been influenced, um, to like really re-examine my post-processing style and, and like, to try to do a much more job of representing scenes um, in the most realistic ways as possible. You know, obviously I'll take some an artistic, uh, you know, liberties in terms of like accentuating certain colors or whatever, but like I used to do a lot of composites and stuff like that and I don't do that anymore. So it's like, I think having a lot of conversations for me has really changed the way I think about landscape photography not necessarily how i approach it um but it's interesting to hear your take on it mm-hmm. too because i've i've definitely like when i i did a uh, podcast with kathleen clemens and she's all about felt photo- flower photography and i found myself like the next weekend i was like all i wanted to shoot was flowers <laughs> so i totally get that <laughs> yeah it's
1: yeah yeah it's like that yeah and i i i experienced the same thing like I know you've had Sarah and Ron on before, mm-hmm. and like such good people. Like, absolutely, it's, like talking about the supportive community of landscape photography, like, they're at the top of the list for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and their style, like, like Ron and Sarah's style is something I could never replicate. Um, And I've, I've, I think I've told them that before. If I haven't, I need to, but it like, the way they see things and, and shoot like minute details in a landscape is something that I would walk straight past going for a bigger <laughs> shot.
0: Me too. Every time.
1: <laughs> it's, even,
0: it's, even when I tried not to, it's like, Oh, I'm really looking for those intimate scenes. And like, I, I'm sure I walked by thousands of them, you know?
1: Yeah. And even when you're trying to find them, yeah, y- like you shoot something and then you look back on it and they've shot something that's like, within a one-to-one ratio of what you shot. And you're just like, dang it. Like, why didn't I get closer?
0: Right. (laughs) Or why didn't I use a different lens? Or yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, so things like that is like, that's probably a better answer to your question.
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't. It it is crazy though. Like it has changed a lot of how I think about photography in general. It's, yeah. And I like. I'd like to think it's for the better, but who knows?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I guess we'll find out. Right. We'll look back. Yeah. We'll look
0: back and be like, Oh man, I wish I would have never done that podcast. (laughs) 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 Well, dude, I I, I really, I really want to hear about, uh, Haiti. So like, why did you, what, what the heck dude? like? Why do you, why did you move to Haiti? What's that about? And what are you finding there? That's, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Like, that's That's the most common question whenever I tell somebody that we live in Haiti, they're like, "Why? <laughs> uh, and it's it's literally like the one Caribbean country that nobody goes to. And you know, for good there're good reasons for that. Um, but Haiti is is really a country that's on my wife and I's heart. Um, we came here. Uh, w- right when I was like really going into my slump in photography and, and when I kind of just put it to the side for a while, uh, we moved to Haiti to be missionaries and do work here. Oh, wow. So my wife does a lot of like, uh, medical work. She's running a clinic right now. Um, she's a midwife and a women's health nurse practitioner. Um, and I did a lot of like, um, uh, personnel management, I guess you could call it. Um, and we, we, we're still there and we're still doing work. Uh, we moved to a different location and now I'm doing like photo and video work for the organization that we're at right now, which is Respire Haiti. Um, and it's, it's funny. Like people are like, wow, you, you live in Haiti and you're doing missions work. Like that's so cool. And my wife Taylor's like, yeah, I run a clinic. Like I'm doing this, this and this. And I'm like, well, you know, I take photos and videos and I post on Facebook. So <laughs> saving the world. Um, but it, it when we moved here, we didn't really know how long we would be mm-hmm. here. Um, and we still don't really know. We kind of moved here just after a calling that we had and thinking like this is just where we needed to be. We both felt that it was a right decision. Um, and we both had really great support going into it and it, it all just felt right and and fell into place. Um, and I think it's a really good opportunity for where I was to kind of put a hold on everything, uh, kind of rethink life and photography and, and travel and, and cultures and interacting and, and just living in a different place. Um, and, 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 we just love it. Like we love the country. We love the people. There's tons of news. I know about Haiti, about like, especially in the last couple months, there have been, you know, riots reported on the news about gas prices going up. And yeah, there were two or three riots in the main capital city, but out where we are, everyone was kind of just like normal everyday life. Um, So it's, it's not like, what you always see on the news that's blown up and expanded into, you know, trying to get viewers to a news station. In real life, like everybody is so accepting, everybody is so just relaxed, and, you know, every day has its own problems. So you just take it one day at a time and, and see what happens next. And um, it's just been, An amazing learning experience but but we came down here for for our missions call for sure um and and you know i'm finding really interesting photo work down here maybe not so interesting sometimes like a few months ago i I went and got hired to go shoot a chess tournament in port-au-prince oh cool (laughs)
0: like
1: if if you've ever tried to take video of a chess tournament and make it really really cool, it's impossible. I kept <laughs> waiting for somebody to, like flip a table like after they lost, but those kids were so chill even when they lost or or even if they won like a big chess match, like they just reached out and shook the other one's hand and you know, <laughs> that was that. It was such a lame video, but the experience <laughs> was really fun. Um and even like going out and shooting, you know, the boats that are coming in after they've had their daily catch and, and taking photos of their boats against, you know, just this crazy clear blue sky and, and having them unloading their nets is, is like a really cool visual that you can have when you go down and shoot. And you know that, that no one is, no one else is really doing that, especially around you because you're, you know, the only photographer within, X amount of miles. And it's just a really, a really cool way to document the things that you see around you and, and try to share them the best way possible.
0: Yeah. I suppose that as a, someone, a recovering landscape photographer, (laughs) that it's probably pretty nice for you to have a, a clean slate in terms of subject and locations, because I personally can't remember, I mean, it's not like I've ever seen, you know, Mark Adamus posting a ton of Haiti photos. Like I'm (laughs) I'm guessing you're having a good time, like discovering a location for the first time through your camera only.
1: Mm -mm. Yeah. And, and it used to be like when I would go out and shoot, I would go somewhere for, you know, two or three days. And like I said, check it off the list, been there, done that here, like you have time to sit and watch everything that goes on in a location. So even, you know, I find myself documenting and and watching where the sun rises and sets each day, depending on what month of the year it is, and and even planning out photos that I could get a year in advance, knowing where the sun is going to rise or where the moon is going to rise in a certain spot. So really, really becoming that intimate with a landscape is something that I've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And really knowing every single thing that's probably going to happen and being ready and prepared to shoot that is, has, has been a totally new experience for me. And the sun is, is a great example of that. Like sunsets, there's this Island that I can see out on the ocean from my back porch and I can look out and as the year has gone by, the sun has gotten closer and closer setting to this Island. And it's one of those where like Haiti has enough pollution to where it puts a haze over the sun and makes it like that giant red ball as it's setting. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like sitting there each night eating dinner and just watching and bu- like buying my time until that sun hits the, the left edge of that Island. And I know like when it gets right behind that island, it's going to be a pretty sweet photo. But until that happens, I get to sit here and just watch it move each day. <laughs> so it's it's a long process, uh, and it takes tons of patience. But like you said, it's it's such a clean slate, and it allows you to learn so much about a location and and so much about how you can shoot different subjects in your photography.
0: Well, and it's such a different experience too, because I think, you know, like you were sharing a lot of people get into this mode where they're kind of, you know, out, you know, collecting, you know, scenes or locations that they've seen that they've been inspired to shoot. And they have a whole list of places they want to go see. And unfortunately, when you shoot that way, it it becomes almost impossible to, to really get to know a place truly. I mean, uh i feel like i've been lucky enough to have that experience in a couple locations here in colorado but for the most part you know when i go out shooting i'm i'm relearning a location that i've never been to or it might be similar to another location but like it's i think it definitely transforms the way you see a place and shoot a place when you have a relationship with it
1: yeah and it's it's so it's so much more difficult too. (laughs) like when you, when you see a place that's never really been photographed before, like in a few months, I'm going to try to get up into the mountains. There are actually two national parks up in the mountains of Haiti uh, on one of the peninsulas. And I'm trying to get up there or at least close enough to where, you know, I can get something from them because it's nearly impossible to get up there. Like you have to, take this road and hire, you know, someone to guide you up here. And there are all these little foot trails that you can take that, you know, people walk their goats on and stuff. And it's, it's so different than anything I've ever experienced and, and wanting to get up there and shoot that. And then you, you usually get up to a location that you try to get into a place in Haiti and you're like, how do I shoot this? I have never seen any other examples of this. Like all I have to do is rely on intuition and, and kind of just see what happens. And, and sometimes it's an awful photo <laughs> and you don't know what you were doing. And then sometimes you're like, this is a million dollar spot. I, I don't know, or I don't see why more people aren't coming right. here. Um, and it's just, it's those locations that just need to be shot. They need to be explored and, and seen um, and, and really need to be treated the right way to, to last a long time to, to, to be able to be shot, you know, years down the road.
0: Well, let's talk about that. So kind of, what is your take on the, this, this idea of location sharing and social media? And like, is there, I feel like there's a, I feel like a lot of people feel like it's a black and white issue, but, uh, I kind of have a feeling that through the years you may have developed a different take on it.
1: Yeah, I think it's more of a gray issue. Um, And and before I get into it, let me just preface this by saying 100%, I do know there are locations that you cannot share. Like talking about Dusty, like me and Dusty have been to one in the Smoky Mountains that we like walking out there, we were both like, yeah, this could not handle foot traffic. Like we can never really share this location with anybody else. Um, especially to the masses, like we can maybe take one person out. I don't even know if I could find it again, to be (laughs) honest. Um, there are locations like that a hundred percent. And I totally respect that and get that, um, photographers personally can make that call on, on what's a location that can be, you know, that can be traveled to by the masses and what, what can't be, um, but the thing, the thing about sharing locations is that social media is, is clearly not going anywhere. That, that was pretty obvious the first day Instagram came out and got a million followers or a million downloads right off the bat. Um, it's pretty obvious that, everything in social media is moving towards photo and video content. That's getting the most plays over and over, especially video right now. Um, but photos still, still are pretty high on the list too. So social media is not going anywhere as photographers. We really have to be smarter about how we share on social media. And and I did a YouTube video about this and I was really like I almost took it down off YouTube just because I got all these comments on it that were like, you're right. People are messing up the environment like we can never share locations again. And I was like, no, you totally missed the point of the entire 15 minute rant I just went on. Like you, we have to be smarter ambassadors of the places that we're going to visit and share in our in our posts on social media, share After the the description of the shot and what settings you use and all that stuff, share how you can protect this location if you plan to visit it. Go into great detail about, you know, stay on the pass. These rocks are really delicate. This plant life can't sustain foot traffic. So stay on this side of the trail. Like be very, very specific about the locations that you're going out to shoot so that if people are actually into landscape photography and really want to enjoy these locations a lot, like they're going to listen to you if they respect you as a photographer. And there are going to be some people who are just scrolling through and see your photo and they're like, cool, I'm going there. And then they ruin it for everybody. There's always going to be people like that. But if we can use our influence to, teach people about protecting the environment and teach people about protecting national parks, state parks, you know, protected areas, or even not protected areas. I I think people will start to understand eventually, uh, if we do a better job of being ambassadors. And, And I think a lot of photographers can do it in a way of not seeming like, you know, hardcore activists, like hippie tree hugger, whatever you want to do. Like I'm really not one of those things, but there's tons of stuff that I believe like, like there's tons of stuff even in scripture that talks about like trees crying out and rocks crying out of their creation and, and respecting that. And I totally get that. And, and I want to help right. protect those things so that other people can enjoy them um, so that, that's really my stance on it. Um, I don't really know if, if you, if, if it's a black and white issue, honestly, it, it seems like there's more and more gray area as time goes on. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, me personally, I think the world, this particular topic would be better if everyone just took a minute to even just think about it. Like that's the, that's a huge step for some people. Like, a lot of people don't even think about the impact that they're having, whether it be noise or, or damaging plant life or damaging rocks or whatever. Like, they're, they're not even thinking about that stuff at all. I think just getting people to think is a huge step in the right direction, personally. so Yeah, and
1: just encouraging people to actually follow the rules. Like, if it doesn't say, if it says, don't fly your drone here, don't fly your drone there. Like, there's a reason that it says, don't fly your drone respect that and, and understand that and educate people on why that is. Like even if you shared a photo and you're like, I wish I could have gotten a drone shot here, but the rule is here that you can't fly your drone for this reason because of this, be very specific in everything you say and right. have a reason to it. And and I think that's when people start to listen. Cause if you just say, don't fly your drone here, people are going to be like, ah, forget you. I'm going to fly my drone <laughs> right. anyways. But if you give a reason and like a really detailed response on why you shouldn't, they're probably going to go through and read that if they've already gotten down that far reading your content. You would hope so. (laughs) You would hope so. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, cool, man. Um, So a couple more questions. Um, First question is, uh, based on the name of the podcast, F-Stop Collaborate and Listen, what advice do you have for other photographers?
1: So I really went into it, like going on the the words of stop and collaborate. So stop is exactly what it says. Like stop shooting every second, every time you go out and shoot. I've had so many better memories and, and better stories behind photographs that I shoot if I'm just shooting. And then I just like, put the camera down and step back and just like watch everything that's going on. Cause it is, it's so amazing to see a landscape unfold in great light. And yeah, you might miss a shot here and there, but usually you're going to have a way better memory of everything that was going on. If you're not fumbling around with a filter or, you know, switching your setting to like, two stops down or or worrying about all that stuff. Like just stop for a second and, and watch it, watch it unfold and you'll have a way better appreciation for the photograph that you just took or that you're about to take. So take it just a few seconds, just calm down and watch everything that's unfolding before you and then collaborate. Don't, be afraid to reach out to other photographers or don't be afraid to reach out and get advice from photographers. If you're just starting out, like, especially like what you and I just talked about having a podcast, it was amazing at the people who would actually respond to emails, like reach out to them. They'll probably read your email and they'll probably give you a few tips going into it. I can remember, uh, I was, I was going to the Smoky mountains to shoot landscapes for the first time. And I really look up to Richard Burnaby and, and I emailed him and I was just like, Hey, I know you go to the Smokies all the time. Just wondering if you would share with me like three locations that I really need to go to, to really enjoy landscapes and the Smokies. And within 24 hours, he had emailed me three separate locations and a sample ebook, which, you know, maybe he was trying to make a sale. I don't know, but Um, it, it did give me a lot of advice on how to shoot the Smokies and which is exactly what I was looking for. So always reach out. The worst that can happen is they can say no, or you won't get a response. And that's really not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Totally.
0: Yeah. It's funny. You talked about, um, about stopping and just watching the scene unfold. (laughs) I had a, uh, similar experience a few weeks ago where I was shooting sunrise from the top of a mountain. And of course I was exhausted because I had stayed up all night and I climbed the mountain in the dark and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I was like really fixated on this set of mountains across the valley from me and shooting them. And it was great. It was looking good and everything. And I kind of just took a break for a minute and I looked to my left and this other mountain was just blowing up with color. And I was like, Oh my God, how did I miss that? And of course I like, yeah. you know, change lenses and, and like change my tripod orientation and shot it. But I was like, yeah, sometimes it takes, it's good to just stop and look around. Like sometimes the best scene is behind you, you know, like, and, and don't be afraid to just change your perspective and, and do something different.
1: A hundred percent, man. I mean, that it's such good advice that, you know, even, I mean, I forget all the time. I know, me and, too. And when I remember to do it, I'm just like, "Why haven't I been doing this all the time?" I
0: know it's so easy to forget, especially in the moment when the lights going off or something. You just get so fixated. At least I do. And then it's like, "Oh, by the way, like, did you see that cloud over there?" Like, "Oh no, I didn't." <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah, totally. Well, cool. So, who would you love to uh, hear on the podcast?
1: Okay, so I have a few names. And I've been listening to the podcast for a long time. So I had, I had a list built up and I narrowed it down for you. So uh, a few names, Uh, number one, Paul Hassel is uh, one of my good buddies in photography. He lives in Knoxville, Tennessee where I went to college and and we've hung out a few times and he's just a really cool guy. He has a lot of great perspectives on, on photography and, and shooting and uh, I think he would be a really good interview. Um, Michael Fry is someone that I've looked up to since I started landscape photography. Yeah, just his style, like kind of like Sarah and Ron's, like we talked about. His style is something I could never replicate because I just don't see things that way. Um, yeah, he's got
0: a lot of great stuff from Yosemite.
1: Yeah, I just like respect what he does so much, and I really think. Like I've talked to him a couple of times and I really think like he would be another person that would have maybe a, 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 a totally different responses than anybody else would have and and be really like just a wise person to have on the podcast. Nice. Um, Jason Hatfield is somebody who I mentioned earlier who I would love to hear on this podcast. Really cool guy.
0: Yeah. Um, I've been, God, me and Jason, I used to, we used to talk to each other a lot, like on social media and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, um, I've, I've known Jason for a long time. <laughs>
1: cool, man. Uh, yeah. Nigel Danson lives in the UK. He's a cool guy. Um, he has a British accent, so that would be entertaining in and of itself. Oh, it's a, bo- oh,
0: it's a bonus.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last person, John Barclay, uh, is somebody who, is just like the wisest landscape photographer that I've ever talked to. Such a good guy has such great personality. And even like I've talked to him once uh, on my old podcast. And after we talked, you know, we were talking about like it was, it was right when I was going into a slump and, uh, you know, I kind of wasn't having fun with photography anymore. And he emailed me a book on like the artistic, side of photography that really helped me get back into it.
0: Oh, cool. That's so awesome when yeah. people like go out of their way to like really help other people, especially nowadays, it seems like it it's not always intuitive for, for us to do that.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it's really cool.
0: Well man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh spending the time. It's been so fun getting to know you and learning about your experiences and chatting about all of all of the crazy stuff that you've been through in the last few years. It's, it's been really fun, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anytime dude. And and let me just say like the podcast has been a huge player on me, like rethinking to, to expect less when I go out and shoot, like definitely, When I used to go on trips, uh, I would plan all this stuff out. But after listening to a lot of your episodes and and a lot of your thoughts on things and your guests, like it, it, it really helped me reevaluate how to shoot and and really how to love photography again. So thank you for doing the podcast,
0: man. That's awesome to hear that feedback. Like sometimes I wonder if people are listening, you know, sometimes. So I appreciate that, dude, a lot. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, Absolutely, dude that's
0: cool <laughs> right, well thanks to David for taking the time to visit with us um, check out the liner notes on my blog at www.mappainphotography.com for tons of links to the topics we discussed including links to all the websites of the people that he recommended um, thanks to everyone who's uh, been leaving reviews of the podcast on iTunes uh, someone really awesome just left a great review uh, five star review thank you QT Loong. Um, for leaving that review um, and P.S. I really love your work on the national parks um, it's awesome uh, I'm really thankful for the generous support that people are uh, leaving on Patreon we just had another great uh, uh, patron over there that yesterday and it just really lifted my spirits um, so thank you so much even a dollar a month helps so much with the podcast and production costs so thank you for supporting us um, if you'd like to support you can visit uh, patreon.com slash f stop and listen uh, and we're about twenty dollars a month away from reaching my first milestone and once I reach that milestone I'm gonna do this crazy awesome thank you video so looking forward to do that for you guys um, this week the bonus episode uh, with David is all about uh, the future of the business of landscape photography and it was a really fun conversation so check that out um, If you want to leave me a line, I'm looking for some ideas on a topic to do a panel discussion. Um, So please reach out to me with your ideas. Um, Social media, best way to reach me is on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Thanks for listening.